Section 19 of Character. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. Character by Samuel Smiles. Chapter 5, Part D. Education in courage is not usually included amongst the branches of female training and yet it is really of greater importance than either music french or the use of the globes contrary to the view of sir richard steele that women should be characterized by a tender fear and an inferiority which makes her lovely we would have women educated in resolution and courage as a means of rendering them more helpful more self-reliant and vastly more useful and happy there is indeed nothing attractive in timidity nothing lovable in fear all weakness whether of mind or body is equivalent to deformity and the reverse of interesting courage is graceful and dignified whilst fear in any form is mean and repulsive yet the utmost tenderness and gentleness are consistent with courage airy sheffer the artist once wrote to his daughter dear daughter strive to be of good courage to be gentle-hearted these are the true qualities for woman troubles everybody must expect there is but one way of looking at fate whatever that be whether blessings or afflictions to behave with dignity under both we must not lose heart or it will be the worse for ourselves and for those whom we love to struggle and again and again to renew the conflict this is life's inheritance in sickness and sorrow none are braver and less complaining sufferers than women their courage where their hearts are concerned is indeed proverbial oh femse à tort quand vous nom timide à la voix des voix coeurs vous êtes intrépides experience has proved that women can be as enduring as men under the heaviest trials and calamities but too little pains are taken to teach them to endure pretty terrors and frivolous vexations with fortitude such little miseries if petted and indulged quickly run into sickly sensibility and become the bane of their life keeping themselves and those about them in a state of chronic discomfort the best corrective of this condition of mind is wholesome moral and mental discipline mental strength is as necessary for the development of woman's character as of man's it gives her capacity to deal with the affairs of life and presence of mind which enable her to act with vigor and effect in moments of emergency character in a woman as in a man will always be found the best safeguard of virtue the best nurse of religion the best corrective of time personal beauty soon passes but beauty of mind and character increases in attractiveness the older it grows ben jonson gives a striking portraiture of a noble woman in these lines i meant she should be courteous facile sweet free from that solemn vice of greatness pride i meant each softed virtue there should meet fit in that softer bosom to abide only a learned and a manly soul i purposed her that should with even powers the rock the spindle and the shears control of destiny and spin her own free hours the courage of woman is not the less true because it is for the most part passive it is not encouraged by the cheers of the world for it is mostly exhibited in the recesses of private life yet there are cases of heroic patience and endurance on the part of women which occasionally come to the light of day one of the most celebrated instances in history 
is that of gertrude von der wart her husband falsely accused of being an accomplice in the murder of the emperor albert was condemned to the most frightful of all punishments to be broken alive on the wheel with most profound conviction of her husband's innocence the faithful woman stood by his side to the last watching over him during two days and nights braving the empress's anger and the inclemency of the weather in the hope of contributing to soothe his dying agonies but women have not only distinguished themselves for their passive courage impelled by affection or the sense of duty they have occasionally become heroic when the band of conspirators who sought the life of james the second of scotland burst into his lodgings at perth the king called to the ladies who were in the chamber outside his room to keep the door as well as they could and give him time to escape the conspirators had previously destroyed the locks of the doors so that the keys could not be turned and when they reached the lady's apartment it was found that the bar also had been removed but on hearing them approach the brave catherine douglas with the hereditary courage of her family boldly thrust her arm across the door instead of the bar and held it there until her arm being broken the conspirators burst into the room with drawn swords and daggers overthrowing the ladies who though unarmed still endeavoured to resist them the defence of latham house by charlotte de la trumel the worthy descendant of william of nassau and admiral collingy was another striking instance of heroic bravery on the part of a noble woman when summoned by the parliamentary forces to surrender she declared that she had been entrusted by her husband with the defence of the house and that she could not give it up without her dear lord's orders but trusted in god for protection and deliverance in her arrangements for the defence she is described as having left nothing with her eye to be excused afterwards by fortune or negligence and added to her former patience a most resolved fortitude the brave lady held her house and home against the enemy for a whole year during three months of which the place was strictly besieged and bombarded until at length the siege was raised after a most gallant defence by the advance of the royalist army nor can we forget the courage of lady franklin who persevered to the last when the hopes of all others had died out in prosecuting the search after the franklin expedition on the occasion of the royal geographical society determining to award the founder's medal to lady franklin sir roderick murchison observed that in the course of a long friendship with her he had abundant opportunities of observing and testing the sterling qualities of a woman who had proved herself worthy of the admiration of mankind nothing daunted by failure after failure through twelve long years of hope deferred she had persevered with a singleness of purpose and a sincere devotion which were truly unparalleled and now that her one last expedition of the fox under the gallant mcclintock had realized the two great facts that her husband had traversed wide seas unknown to former navigators and died in discovering a northwest passage then surely the adjudication of the medal would be hailed by the nation as one of the many recompenses to which the widow of the illustrious franklin was so eminently entitled but that devotion to duty which marked the heroic character has more often been exhibited by women in deeds of charity and mercy the greater part of these are never known for they are done in private out of the public sight and for the mere love of doing good where fame has come to them because of the success which has attended their labors in a more general sphere it has come unsought and unexpected 
and is often felt as a burden who has not heard of mrs fry and miss carpenter as prison visitors and reformers of mrs chisholm and miss rye as promoters of immigration and of miss nightingale and miss garrett as apostles of hospital nursing that these women should have emerged from the sphere of private and domestic life to become leaders in philanthropy indicates no small degree of moral courage on their part for to women above all others quiet and ease and retirement are most natural and welcome very few women step beyond the boundaries of home in search of a larger field of usefulness but when they have desired one they have had no difficulty in finding it the ways in which men and women can help their neighbors are innumerable it needs but the willing heart and ready hand most of the philanthropic workers we have named however have scarcely been influenced by choice the duty lay in their way it seemed to be the nearest to them and they set about doing it without desire for fame or any other reward but approval of their own conscience among prison visitors the name of sarah martin is much less known than that of mrs fry although she preceded her in the work how she was led to undertake it furnishes at the same time an illustration of womanly true-heartedness and earnest womanly courage sarah martin was the daughter of poor parents and was left an orphan at an early age she was brought up by her grandmother at castor near yarmouth and earned her living by going out to families as an assistant dressmaker at a shilling a day in eighteen nineteen a woman was tried and sentenced to imprisonment in yarmouth gowell for cruelly beating and ill-using her child and her crime became the talk of the town the young dressmaker was much impressed by the report of the trial and the desire entered her mind of visiting the woman in gaol and trying to reclaim her she had often before on passing the walls of the borough gaol felt impelled to seek admission with the object of visiting the inmates reading the scriptures to them and endeavouring to lead them back to the society whose laws they had violated at length she could not resist her impulse to visit the mother she entered the gaol porch lifted the knocker and asked the gaoler for admission for some reason or other she was refused but she returned repeated her request and this time she was admitted the culprit mother shortly stood before her when sarah martin told the motive of her visit the criminal burst into tears and thanked her those tears and thanks shaped the whole course of sarah martin's after-life and the poor seamstress while maintaining herself by her needle continued to spend her leisure hours in visiting the prisoners and endeavouring to alleviate their condition she constituted herself their chaplain and schoolmistress for at that time they had neither she read to them from the scriptures and taught them to read and write she gave up an entire day in the week for this purpose besides sundays as well as other inter intervals of spare time feeling she says that the blessing of god was upon her she taught the women to knit to sew and to cut out the sale of the articles enabling her to buy other materials and to continue the industrial education thus begun she also taught the men to make straw hats men's and boys caps gray cotton shirts and even patchwork anything to keep them out of idleness and from preying on their own thoughts out of the earnings of the prisoners in this way she formed a fund which she applied to furnishing them with work on their discharge thus enabling them again to begin the world honestly and at the same time affording her as she herself says the advantage of observing their conduct by attending too exclusively to this prison work however sarah martin's dressmaking business fell off 
and the question arose with her whether in order to recover her business she was to suspend her prison work but her decision had already been made i had counted the cost she said and my mind was made up if whilst imparting truth to others i became exposed to temporal want the privations so momentary to an individual would not admit of comparison with following the lord in thus administering to others she now devoted six or seven hours every day to the prisoners converting what would otherwise have been a scene of dissolute idleness into a hive of orderly industry newly admitted prisoners were sometimes refractory but her persistence gentleness eventually won their respect and cooperation men old in years and crime pert london pickpockets depraved boys and dissolute sailors profligate women smugglers poachers and the promiscuous horde of criminals which usually fill the gaol of a seaport and county town all submitted to the benign influence of this good woman and under her eyes they might be seen for the first time in their lives striving to hold a pen or to master the characters in a penny primer she entered into their confidences watched wept prayed and felt for all by turns she strengthened their good resolutions cheered the hopeless and despairing and endeavored to put all and hold all in the right mind of amendment for more than twenty years this good and true-hearted woman pursued her noble course with little encouragement and not much help almost her only means of subsistence consisting in an annual income of ten or twelve pounds left by her grandmother eked out by her little earnings at dressmaking during the last two years of her ministrations the borough magistrates of yarmouth knowing that her self-imposed labors saved them the expense of a schoolmaster and a chaplain fourteen which they had become bound by law to appoint made a proposal to her of an annual salary of twelve pounds a year but they did it in so indelicate a manner as greatly to wound her sensitive feelings she shrank from becoming the salaried official of the corporation and bartering for money those serviced which had throughout been labors of love but the gale committee coarsely informed her that if they permitted her to visit the prison she must submit to their terms or be excluded for two years therefore she received the salary of twelve pounds a year the acknowledgment of the yarmouth corporation for her services as gale chaplain and schoolmistress she was now however becoming old and infirm and the unhealthy atmosphere of the gale did much towards finally disabling her while she lay on her deathbed she resumed the exercise of a talent she had occasionally practised before in her moments of leisure the composition of sacred poetry as works of art they may not excite admiration yet never were verses written truer in spirit or fuller of christian love but her own life was a nobler poem than any she ever wrote full of true courage perseverance charity and wisdom it was indeed a commentary upon her own words the high desire that others may be blessed saviors of heaven End of section 19.